Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Chase Thomas podcast. Late on a Sunday night here in Knoxville, Tennessee, down there in Decula, Georgia. My good friend and fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is good to be back. Hope you had a, an excellent Thanksgiving weekend. It was pretty great. Uh, traveled uh, back to Atlanta for 48 hours. Uh, did not do anything outside of uh, uh, family time. And uh, I had to work on Friday. And you're not going to believe this, Matt. If you know anything about me, I was I was working most of the time. Um, I know that doesn't sound like me, but that was uh, what I was doing <laughs> most of the time. But um, it was good to see some family. And uh, Thanksgiving was, was very pleasant. Um, there was a lot of good football on, um, very much. It seemed like you'd be a big Black Friday shopper. Why, why do you say that? No, I'm just joking. Well, no, here's the thing. I'm not. Well, are you? No. So I worked in retail in high school through college. Um, that was like, I've, I, I worked in malls during Black Friday. I remember, oh, I, wow. I want to say I was a senior in high school when I had to get up for Black Friday at a sporting goods store in Gwinnett Place Mall. Um, and I, I remember we had to be there by like five thirty or something. So that was, that was rough. And I remember the people and I remember just, I like, you can't like anyone who's worked black Friday at a, in a mall. Um, they all have their own horror story. And for me, it was just more of like, I remember this one lady just really, really spazzing out on me and just getting really, really upset about how something was, uh, on the wrong rack <laughs> because she thought it was like, I think it was like this really authentic Braves, he's either Braves or Yankees, uh, jacket. Like, you know, the, the old bench coach jackets like Bobby Cox yeah, wore and stuff like, like that. Starter jacket type thing. Yes. Uh, no, not even that. No, like the ones that uh, they would wear in the dugout. Like Bobby Cox always wore that big Braves jacket. Do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? What that was a starter jacket. I'm I guess sure. it was starter. Maybe it was, uh, but it was thick. It was nice. It yeah, was yeah. usually like a couple, like three hundred bucks. And we like basically we knew she moved it to a section where it was like on the 1999 section, and was like I found it here, so that means it's here. And we're like, no, like just because it found it, like that's not how that works. Like what? That's funny. And I just remember having this whole awkward debate when I'm like 17 years old, and uh, at like seven o'clock at a.m. the following day from a day where you're supposed to just be thankful and show gratitude and to really do a lot of self self-evaluation to just be like all right thanksgiving's over now is my time to ruin this high schoolers uh early morning by trying to get a 300 hundred dollar jacket for for 20 dollars in bad faith it was it was bonker so it's just th- hilarious how different black friday is than the exact day before if they exactly it's just it's so funny <laughs> it's it so- was a few years ago you're mm. familiar with the dawsonville yes like outlet mall oh yeah the polo and outlets we- over there are extremely clutch yeah a few years ago me and tori had like both worked at the golf course and then like she had to like get uh because her mom's birthday is always around thanksgiving so she had to like go buy this bottle of perfume for her mom and we drove up there and then we like come over like the the hill or whatever and just see uh the outlet mall it just cars everywhere like mm-hmm. cars parked on like the grass hill like outside of the parking deck and everything we're like 
what in the hell it's <laughs> fucking black friday right now mm. like, we didn't even realize we didn't think about it it was it was awful i just like dropped her off and just kind of circled the parking lot <laughs> like i never even found a spot like it was ridiculous wait just but to be clear you forgot friday. that it was black friday the day after thanksgiving yeah i mean i just like it, it what, christmas just isn't that important to me i feel mm. like so it's like I just never even think about Black Friday. It was mm-hmm. just like, oh, we just got off a shift here, and I, it was—I mean, late late November. So it's probably not that busy of a day at the golf course. I don't know what it was like that day, but so we like got off and got off work, and then just headed up there, and yeah, just didn't even think about it for a second. That's wild. Um, yeah, no, I think about it, and I just—I don't know, man. I loved malls back in the day, and malls just not being a real thing anymore kind of bum me out but it's also just that like i'm not built for that anymore man i burn out on all that kind of stuff like working in retail and working in malls when you're younger it just kind of like sours you on the whole process and when i can just I, like i'm already busy enough that i just like check stuff off and i'm like i just i am have you heard that sebastian uh maniscalco bit about buying clothes um i'm not sure i have okay Big fan though he's hilarious he's game day picker yeah, he was. He was. Um, he, all of the stand-ups are great. Um, highly recommend, folks, if you've not uh, perused his catalog on Netflix. You but... were, we saw him live. Oh, I remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in school. Mm-hmm. That was, that was who we saw. What was that, like the the punchline or somewhere? Yes. That sounds right. There's one in Buckhead. I forget which one. It... Yeah, you went with me, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. That was the one. I think it closed. That one in Buckhead closed. I don't think it exists anymore. I okay. completely forgot that that was you and I that went to that. Yeah. That's yeah, he's wild. A fun, he's a funny guy. He's getting like a show or something, isn't he? Yeah, I, that sounds right. But like this was before he was even all that big when we went. Because yeah. I remember I told you about him and I asked you if you wanted to go. I remember that. I, I This yeah. is this is wild that I completely... For, we're old, man. Because I do not... What yeah, was that? Seven, funny. eight years ago? Probably. Yeah. But what, were you, what were you saying about him though? Well, he has this bit where he's like, if I order something and it's wrong and like I made a mistake um, and I buy the wrong thing, he's like, I don't ever cause a problem. Like he doesn't want to cause a problem. He's like, you know what? I messed up. Like, that's it. I, I messed up today and I'm keep it moving. His whole thing, like the whole bit is about keep it moving. Don't be part of the problem. If you bought the wrong thing or you messed up, hey, it happens. Uh, like just eat it just move on don't create more of a problem don't go back don't send it back so if i buy something online that doesn't work out i'm like hey part of the game i messed up Uh, i won't mess up maybe i won't mess up the next time that's the way i look at it now so people are worried about like oh it may not be like what it looks like online like hey sometimes it will be sometimes it won't but i will take that any day over just driving over and spending time walking through the mall and checking out different stores like i just i don't have time for that anymore I feel you there. Mm. Well, uh, what was your Black or Black Friday? What was your Thanksgiving spread like, Matt Green? What uh, what was in the menu? How did uh, your Turkey Day unfold uh, on your end? Oh, it was excellent. I um, the food was good as always. Um, what was in the menu? You know, I, I was worried about the mac and cheese shortage. You now it, <laughs> yeah. it was not a worry. Um, Tori makes these amazing uh, twice baked potato like little bites. Mm-hmm. I've heard of uh, these before, ex- yeah. Yeah, they're excellent. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a solid solid day. Solid Did you have football. any vegetables? Uh, for sure. I don't mm. know what was on my plate. Um, 
there were some kind of vegetables on there. Mainly a lot of potatoes. <laughs> there was big that. carb guy. Yeah, big carb guy. A lot of potatoes, a lot of mac and cheese. I'm sure there were some vegetables. Did Go you get a nap in? Casserole. What's that? Did you get a nap in? Um, did I get a nap in? I feel like I made it through Mississippi State. Ole Miss. So I don't think I did. I don't think I did get a nap in uh, before the Ole Miss Mississippi State game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, if you got through that, then there's no way you uh, you got a nap in because that game ended at like what ten ten thirty, um, and we'll get to that game. A lot of fun, a lot of fun, and we'll get to the Mike Leach and rivalry games for some reason. But um, yeah, that's that's fun, man. I uh, like I enjoyed. We had turkey and ham options this year. The mac and cheese was excellent. Um, I, we actually had some mashed potatoes getting in on that. My Hawaiian rolls made an appearance, if you oh, may geez. recall from last week. Yeah, the, the Hawaiian, Hawaiian rolls. rolls were there. I just want you to know that, that Tori was roasting you. <laughs> she said, have you heard about this Chase Thomas guy? His favorite Thanksgiving dish is Hawaiian rolls. <laughs> I did hear her tell multiple people that. I was like, oh, I, whose favorite dish is Hawaiian rolls? I hope, I hope Tori doesn't mind that I'm putting it out there. Yeah, I'm sure she'd say it to your face. But, um, yeah, Hawaiian rolls. We, we talked about that multiple times this week. I don't think it's that weird, man. I, I like what I like. Uh, you know, I like what I like, and I will not be ashamed uh, of that. We also, um, this was the first uh, Thanksgiving with the sports renaissance woman, so that was really cool. Um, but... Or with family, pretty I should say. Pretty big step right there. It's a pretty big step. It's a pretty big step. Things are getting pretty serious. I mean, she's... As, uh, as Kip would say. <laughs> uh, for sure. I mean, it's uh, it's there. You and I, we're, we're getting locked down. We're settling down. We, we've got our eyes in the suburbs, just uh, eating our carbs and just hanging out. That's, uh, that's where we're at in our 30s. No doubt, man. Living the dream. Living the dream, as they say. Um, you and Tori, though, need to check out the, the, the light show that we went and saw on Friday night. Um, did you see the, the Instagram story I put up of those lights? Uh, I, I did not. Mm. So, Smoke Rise. Uh, and for all the, the good folks. It's and, like a botanical gardens type thing? Yeah, but only for one house, and it's free, sir. And it's also for a good Word. cause. Where is it? So it's in Smoke Rise. Like, um, it, I don't want to put the full address out there <laughs> on the air. Fair but enough. That's Tennessee, though? No, Georgia. That's in Georgia? Mm-hmm. Smoke uh, Rise, like right by Stone Mountain. Like, you go up past Stone Mountain. Because we were originally going to go to Stone Mountain. Did you know Stone Mountain, where I'm from, like, stopped doing the light show? Or the, the drive-thru lights? Lake Lanier also Stop doing the drive-through lights. It's all walking lights, and it was cold as crap on uh, on Friday. We're like, we're not walking through the lights. Why don't you have drive-through lights anymore? Why would you get rid of drive-through lights? They're great. Um, so we didn't have that. And it, I'm just gonna walk around and look at these lights. It's absurd. Yes, I, I'm glad you agree with me because like it's just <laughs> one where you want to drive through it. You just want to see it. You go super slow. See it like Callaway Gardens has this nailed down. Like they get it. Callaway Gardens. Shout out to you guys. But like. You have to pay an additional fee in Stone Mountain Park to go see the lights. So you have to pay to get in. And then another $27 per person. Just go see some lights? No. That sounds, no. sounds about right. No. A lot, of, a lot of cash grabbing going on over there. Not a fan. Couldn't get me. 
Not getting me. cash grabbing. But I'll send you the address privately. But Smoke Rise, it's this crazy, crazy house that has lights everywhere. And they have volunteers outside of their front house. And it's for a good cost. They do a -A Make-A-Wish stuff, um, which is super cool. But, um, yeah, that... uh, I'm a big lights guy. Like I have lights all over my office right now, my studio, and um, I have lights all over the house. So Christmas is a big time for me. Um, like spending time with loved ones and all of that is great. But it, I'm in it for the lights. Like I'm in big it. Big lights guy. Big big lights guy. I love I love some good lights. Um, speaking of lights, and by speaking, I mean this has nothing to do with lights. But I don't know how to get out of this to transition to our our uh, Lincoln oh, man, Riley. I, I had a great segue. Oh, go for it. My segue was, speaking of money grabs, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, the best way to get it back on, on track here, USC snagging Lincoln Riley, mm. that came absolutely out of nowhere to me. Like, I don't know about you, he seemed like there was so much of the LSU talk around Lincoln Riley, and it's hilarious, too, now, that he said yesterday after the after the game he's mm. like i'm not going to lsu i'm not gonna be the head coach at lsu and mm. i was like oh okay i guess lincoln riley's not going anywhere but uh, i guess we weren't specific enough well feldman tweeted i think at the uh, late last night that was like hey usc's making a strong late push for lincoln and you know <laughs> it's so funny because we've talked ad nauseum about these jobs and where they all sit like i still think lsu is a better job than usc but like it's funny to see the reactions from folks right where there are the folks in oklahoma who feel betrayed and like this is bad and we'll get into the recruiting uh ramifications of all this and then there are the folks in the sec who um are like oh he's scared of joining the sec lincoln lincoln's scared of making that totally jump scared and then there are the the national folks who are just that like hey he looked at this of lot of money same money he's getting in oklahoma uh go to malibu uh get to go to a fertile record recruiting ground that he was already recruiting at oklahoma now he can just not fly on these jets around the country to do this stuff. He can just stay at home and make a drive over and see these kids up close uh, and spend more time with his family and uh, go to a, a conference where now they already had an advantage over everybody else in the Pac-12. Um, this is a great job where he's just going to win a lot, uh, be in the playoff all the time and live in a beautiful area making a bunch of money. Uh, this is a USC's always been an amazing gig and I just I think it's kind of like the the funniest narrative to me is that he's scared of the SEC no um, here's the thing about the SEC you can't just completely I'll let you finish go ahead and the last thing I'll say about that is um, a lot of the the SEC like I've looked at fan bases and the reactions and I'm like okay here are the number of ADs in the, the Southeastern Conference that would not sh- kick their coach out the door today if Lincoln was like, I'll come to you guys, but you got to get rid of this dude. There are exactly two coaches that would not punt their current coach out the building right now, and that is at the University of Georgia and the University of Alabama. Every single other program in the SEC would kill to have Lincoln Riley running their program right now, like every yeah, single other one. He, they're not any, scared. Like, he's not afraid. But that doesn't mean he's not scared. Everyone would love to have Lincoln Riley as their head coach. Well, this is the other part of it. What and is, this is what, what I, USC this, have. I don't feel like you can dismiss the fact that he doesn't want to join the SEC. Like, maybe, he, you know, I'm sure he would never say he's scared. But, 
Like, what does USC have that Oklahoma doesn't? He's already beaches. At Oklahoma. I mean, Malibu. Yeah, I guess they, I guess it has all that better stuff. weather, more fun. But Oklahoma. But I mean, is is that what a college football coach's priorities are, though? Like, does he? Is that really what he's all about? I mean, most of these guys are spending more time recruiting mm-hmm. than spending with their family and but part of that is they have to fly around they have to go see kids all in other states because if you're in nebraska guess what scott frost has to go to florida has to go to california has to go to texas he doesn't get to stay in state and do stuff like you have when you're in these other places like norman where there's no high school recruiting talent he has to fly all over the country and he has to rely on people to fly all over the country and look for him like it's just i think it's more stressful to to win at a high level in Norman than I think people let on um, just because of where it is and the access to talent and what you have to do to recruit at a high level and uh, compete at a high level. Because if you don't do all the kind of stuff that they do, it is it falls so quickly like Nebraska. Like that is something that can happen just like that. No, that's fair. They This is the first Oklahoma coach to leave for another college job since 1946. Oh, wow. So that's a pretty crazy step mm. just in general. And that's it kind of tells Oklahoma. I, I, I think Oklahoma fans are extremely rattled by this. Yes. Because it's like we understood him jumping to LSU, even though we're Oklahoma and we're as good as it gets. We're a blue blood. LSU is the SEC and it's everything like that. For him to jump to USC, I don't know. Other than like the climate and stuff like that, like you named, like it seems like the biggest thing that USC has going for it that Oklahoma doesn't is that they're not in the SEC. Like he he's essentially like trading his his Big Twelve advantage for the Pac twelve advantage of just like, no, we're gonna continue to get elite players and I'm gonna do my thing. And I'm not going to have to be in a conference that's really going to challenge me all that often. Although this is the second straight year that they're not going to win the Big 12. Wait, did they? They didn't win the Big 12 last year, right? Who? Oklahoma? Oklahoma? They uh, did win the Big 12. They just didn't get to the playoff. Right. But, um, yeah, so, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. I was, I was definitely uh, completely blindsided when I, when I heard the news this afternoon. Did you see? I think I sent you the Stephen Godfrey tweet about this, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. R- refresh my memory. It's so good. <laughs> he said, "If Mike Bone, who uh, for the folks who are not aware, he is the AD at the University of Southern California, came from uh, Cincinnati. Um, if Mike Bone used the SEC's manic culture as cover of night to poach one of the best coaches in America, he is a hundred percent that." Uh, B-I-T-C-H and he is in charge of Heritage Hall gangster status certified um, he also put underneath it grapes of wrath ass hire um, it's incredible love that tweet because I think that's cool and I think he's right where it's like we have to think about the off the field stuff and there's something to the idea that like these high profile SEC jobs, man, you saw what happened to Coach O pretty quick. You saw how much Jimbo and how much stress Gus went through every year. And now the expectations are going to ramp up for Pittman. Um, we saw what happened the the top of the top with Mullen and how quickly that unfolded. Um, it's just, it's a very, very tough, unfriendly league with boosters that have so much influence that like, yeah, every coach after Saban and everything else is going to keep winning national titles. Like they're all going to keep doing it, but 
it's also clearly something that weighs on people and it's not for everybody. There's a reason LSU is still open right now. And part of it, I'm sure, is because Woodward is taking is taking bigger swings than Billy Napier. And we'll get into what it means that LSU was not interested in Billy Napier, even though he came from Louisiana and Florida jumped at him. Um, but like that is something that I think is so interesting here is that like we have to talk about the culture and like what if Lincoln Riley really didn't want to it's not the games and the competition but he was like, I don't want to deal with LSU boosters every day. Like, I don't want to deal with what it means to be a big time SEC coach, which is like all the off the field stuff that you have to deal with. And like USC, you just you just don't do it. And if you're like a little uh, frustrated, guess what? You go to the beach, you go, you go get some time away and you're going to be in a conference that's just not going to push you because you're going to get better players than everybody else and you're going to run it. I mean, this is bad news for Oregon and bad news if you're worried about Cristobal leaving for Miami. Um, but I don't know. I think I, I understand that. I think that is a part of it of just like some coaches, it's not an indictment on them if they don't want to be a part of this culture. And if bone was able to sway Riley on the fact that like the culture at USC is so much better than most sec programs, I get, I get that. And I get the idea of like selling him, like, do you really want to dive into that hornet's nest and just really destroy your quality of quality of life? Because I think it does have a tremendous detriment on that. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. And I, I I just know, you know, Lincoln Riley would never say, would just never come out and say that mm. he couldn't go to somewhere that had that level of pressure or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like USC is trying to win national championships. It just seems like it has to, there has to be something to him not wanting to coach in the SEC only because like you got to rebuild. It's not, it's not like it's, it's just USC or Oklahoma. Like you have to rebuild USC, and you're and that is more attractive to you than Oklahoma right now. Like that's that's kind of crazy to me. And just that thought, like well, we can get into that. To... He's flipping all these dudes. Oklahoma is in trouble. Like all the five star kids already flipped from Oklahoma to USC. Um, that's happening. Like that, is, there's going to be a free fall of Oklahoma commits who are all going to flip to USC because they no, were going. That's Malachi Nelson's help, already flipped. Still, USC has has not been USC in recent years. Like it's it's not just about one recruiting class. Like he's got to build the whole roster. It's like that's more than just more than just one class. But like, it's USC. Can, what I'm saying is he it's going to recruit itself. So this is from Bob Prisbillo. In the last five hours, the Sooners have lost commitments from 2023 wide receiver Brandon Ennis, uh, 2023 running back uh, Trayon Webb, uh, 2023 quarterback Malachi Nelson, 2022 linebacker Kobe McKenzie. Like, the hits are going to keep coming. Like, they're all, I'm not saying all of them are going to flip to USC, but the majority will. And I think Lincoln is such a good recruiter and offensive mind that, like, just Lincoln Riley, his offense, and living in Southern California, like, that's just it's going to be fine. Like they're going to be national title contenders next year. Like that is happening next year. It's possible, but see, I just don't know if USC is that quick of a fix. I think it is. Like, I mean, it's possible. You just had to get a guy that knows what he's doing to come in and, and try and steer the ship. But I don't know. It's, we'll see. I just, Oklahoma, like I can understand finding USC more attractive than LSU, but to jump from Oklahoma to USC, that's just that's that's the more surprising part of this to me. Mm. Well, let's let's transition. So, how does this all permeate into the rest of the coaching cycle? Because we've got OU now opened, 
which is crazy. And Bob Stoops is going to coach uh, the the bowl game for the Sooners wherever they play. Then you got Billy Napier leaving Louisiana for Florida, and this is probably the one I would bet the 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 most like bet the house on not working out. Um, this I, I'm not a Scott Strickland guy. I didn't like the his rationale during this whole process. Not a believer there. Um, I thought you Nap- liked Napier though. I like Napier. I don't love Napier. Does that make sense? Where it's like maybe, but like I don't think he's a better offensive mind than Mullen. Like I don't think it's an upgrade from Mullen. I really don't. I I, I think he's a better recruiter and obviously more likable. But I don't know. Like Napier, he might be okay. But like, am I scared as a Tennessee fan? Should Georgia be scared of Napier? No, I think they could have taken a bigger swing. And I just, for me, it's like a wait. There is obviously wait and see for all of these coaches. But I'm not but shaking was, over was, Billy Napier in Gainesville. Are you? He's really the big name out there, though. It's like... I mean, Matt Campbell, I would have taken a swing at. I would have taken a swing at him. I would have taken a swing at Matt Rule. I would have taken a swing at... But Matt Rule's not leaving the I NFL don't, for Florida. I could see him leaving the NFL for Oklahoma. Yeah, but I feel like Florida's not Oklahoma, honestly. Okay, like, Dave right Aranda. I, I just... I don't know. There are other, Mike Gundy, for that matter. Um, Dave Clawson. Well, Jamie Mike Chadwell. Not going anywhere. Um, I don't know. I just would have gone outside the box at Florida. And see, I think I think going after like the next up and coming coach, I think there's. I mean, obviously, there's times that it hasn't worked out. There's times it has worked out. I think this seemed like the best move to me because, like, it's. I don't know. There's something about if there's something about the next guy, like he's not a retread, like the, the sky's the limit kind of thing. Like when urban Meyer came into Florida, like, you know, he's the next guy from a, from a whatever conference, like we'll see if his, if his thing can work in the sec. And it obviously did. So I don't know. I, I, I tend to like the Florida hire and more than anything like that, this is my biggest criticism of LSU's hire. Although there, there is still time like if you're going to fire your coach before the season ends, like how are you not ready as soon as the season ends to make a move? Like how are you not ready to announce your move? That's why with for Florida it just it seem it feels like like with the Tennessee coaching search and honestly the previous Florida coaching search, like once you started having reports of your missing guys that you contacted, like your your swing and missing essentially, that's when the the coaching search kind of takes on a life of its own, right? And then it just becomes pa- bad publicity. Like, the fact that the season ended yesterday, Florida got their guy, like, the next day, even if behind the scenes they were turned down three or four times, it just looks like Florida has a plan. You know what I mean? With at LSU, the only way that LSU can justify that they, they got their guy is if it's one of these guys who's currently – in a conference championship right now or if they're going the cliff kingsbury route or something and it's an nfl coach because besides that like with, with there's already being movement now it's looking like lsu is swinging and missing like if, unless they end up with luke fickle or or dave aranda or something it's gonna look like lsu kind of squandered this a little bit yeah, well, we'll see, because I think Matt Campbell's still sitting out there, and he had a very interesting end of uh, press conference and talking to the team and stuff like that, so I'm curious to see what happens there, but I mean, Jimbo, not the best ending, and you get upset by Orgeron to end the season for them, not exactly what they had had hoped based on what they did last year, finishing 7-5, and five. but 
Jimbo did make a good point. Um, Uncle Stan actually made this uh, reminder in our in our group text, but like he doesn't want to compete against all the guys he just recruited. And Walter Nolan's in his class, and I think Texas A&M as of right now for their twenty twenty two class is it number three or number two as it stands in two four seven. I think three right now. Okay, um, so they're there. Like he can win at Texas A&M. Like I don't like it would just. He is recruited well enough where you're like, no, that's there's no point. I, like I shouldn't say there's no point, but it's it's significantly more difficult to move for LSU. But it's also hasn't been done like in his lifetime. It hasn't been done. LSU it's been done with every single coach before him. So he has to weigh that a little bit, and it's still LSU. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm not even the least bit. Uh, nothing would surprise me uh, the least bit about where they end up on their coaching search. But I do think, I mean. I don't know. Dave Aranda, would that be underwhelming at this point? I don't think so. Um, but he'll probably win a national title there if he goes. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know that it would be underwhelming just because because of his history with LSU, that he's such a, you know, a fondly remembered assistant that and now he's gotten he's proven on his own that he's a good head coach. I, I think LSU fans, I, I don't think they would be disappointed with it with that. I don't think you should be. Yeah. Well, we'll but see. How do you even hire? How do you even hire an NFL coach to coach your college team now? Like, how do you even poach somebody? Like, with the early signing period, like in-home visits started today. In... Say, say that again. In-home visits started today. Yeah, exactly. So, how are you going to wait around until January first or right. whenever you can't. the NFL season ends to name a, uh, your next coach. So I, I don't even see logistically how you can how you can poach a guy from the NFL in today's college football. That's a really good point. Um, I guess you kind of have to do it early. Um, I, that's a really good point. I, I don't really know. Um, so like that's what's interesting was with Cliff P- Kingsbury being the main target for Oklahoma. I forgot who reported that. Um, but that's... Uh, the, the jokes speak for themselves where it's like that dude is... Uh, at the end of his contract with Arizona, um, they're I think the number one seed in the NFC right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're like nine and two. Right? Yeah, he's like, not leaving. He's just going to get a massive extension, and this is going to be leverage for him to get that extension. Uh, but it is funny. Like if you're a Texas Tech fan, you're just like, what, what, what alternate universe am I living in right now? Where we fired the guy who Oklahoma and an NFL team are fighting over. Uh, <laughs> like it's a cruel world out there, folks. Yeah. Seriously, I, I didn't even think about that. Um, well, Cutcliffe also moving on from Duke after years and years. I don't think he'll get the credit for what he did there and revitalizing that program. Getting Duke to an ACC title game is bonkers in of itself. You get Daniel Jones in the top 10. Like What he did at Duke is pretty pretty remarkable, and Cut has been solid everywhere he's gone, and... Uh, I've, uh, it's just the end of an era. But do you know who's coaching on an interim basis uh, before they find their next coach? Oh, who's coaching Duke? Yeah. No, I don't. Trooper Taylor. Oh, wow. From Auburn? Yeah. Tennessee. Trooper Taylor. Oh, he's, okay. Interesting. Well, but you, yeah. know, you know where uh, Cutcliffe is going to end up? Where? Wherever wherever Arch Manning ends up, mm. Cutcliffe is just obsessed with those Mannings. He is. What if he just became his like uh, like his consultant throughout the process next year? Like he's just a q- private QB coach. Um, <laughs> I've I've heard some whispers about Cutcliffe and Ole Miss. 
coming as an analyst or something like that. Mm, I could see that. Um, also, could. you got Jeff Collins staff fired over the weekend, Matt Green. Um, their yeah, OCs out. Their I don't DCs think the out. Game had any impact <laughs> on on the evaluation of Georgia Tech. You don't think so? I think the I think the writing was on the wall, as they say. Mm. Um. Well, let's get into the the playoff field now. So we'll get into Green Line Saturday of the weekend. Um, but before that, Matt Green, when you look at the college football playoff right now, where we're looking at heading into um heading into uh championship weekend where where is your head at where do you see it and who do you see as your personal top four and who do you think the committee will put out as the top four heading into this week yeah so we were talking like the biggest headlines of the weekend off the field obviously Mm. the biggest headline of the weekend on the field was michigan beating ohio state Mm -hmm. i don't think many people saw that happening so you know with their resume obviously you're gonna have georgia still at one but with and on top of Michigan, Ohio State, just having that Iron Bowl go to overtime the way it did, I don't think there's any question that Michigan just jumps all the way to two and just jumps over Alabama, jumps Cincinnati. I think I think that's what the committee's going to do, and I think that's what they should do. So, and it doesn't really make a difference either, right? Two and three. So I feel like Alabama will be at three, and I guess. I guess you'd have a conversation if Alabama beats Georgia, they could be number one at the end of it. Um, then you have to get in a whole other conversation. But so, yeah, right now I'd have Georgia at one, Michigan at two, Alabama at three, and then Cincy at four. And then I'm thinking uh, Oklahoma State should be at five, Notre Dame six, Baylor seven, and then Ohio State probably about eight. Does that sound about right? Wait, run through that one more time. So Georgia, Michigan, yeah. Alabama, Cincy, mm. top four, and then five through eight. You got Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Baylor, and Ohio State. And my take, honestly, is that Big Twelve champion. If Georgia beats Alabama, because obviously if Alabama beats Georgia, the SEC ends up getting two spots. That's going to sh- shake up everything. But assuming that that doesn't happen. I think the Big 12 champion should be in regardless. I think with how kind of crazy this year has been, like if Baylor, if you can justify Baylor being like number seven right now, then why can't they just jump Notre Dame by beating number five Oklahoma State? Like, I think that the committee could have an agenda and and almost want Notre Dame to be in a conference and almost use use that for, like, to try to get Notre Dame to join a conference. I don't know if it'll work, but I I would like to see the big 12 champion get in almost like, I almost wonder, can Oklahoma state jump Cincinnati? Like if something Mm. crazy happens, like they're a one loss big 12 champion and their one loss being to Iowa state isn't a great loss or anything, but to beat Oklahoma state twice potential or to beat, um, I should say Baylor twice and beat Oklahoma. Like, that's more impressive than Cincinnati's resume, even though they do have the one loss. I, I wonder if, if Cincinnati is 100% safe. That's fascinating. Um, I just assumed, especially like Houston's a good team, I, I still don't know if they're going to beat Houston. I think that's a coin flip. I'm so interested in that game this weekend. Um, I think it's going to be uh, more of a coin flip than uh, a lot of folks might, uh, might have previously expected. But um, my personal top four, though, I, and I 
your point about the Big 12, I think, is is uh, well taken. But I do think Notre Dame deserves credit for just getting better as the season's gone on and playing their best football as the season's gone on. Um, all that being said, my top four, I just I can't get around this. I, I, I can't. Um, number one, Georgia. Number two, Michigan. I think Michigan does jump to number two, and I agree with that. Um, number three, Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma Whoa. State is just a dominant complete team and i think they deserve a lot of credit for just doing everything they need to do um and then i would put number four alabama and cincinnati five so i would put cincinnati five because if cincinnati if bama loses to georgia as we expect then bama falls back and cincinnati takes that four spots then you get georgia cincy and oklahoma state um michigan who i think are very close i think oklahoma state michigan in a round one playoff matchup would be super interesting because they play the same kind of way um i think they're very even in their playing style and i think they're even in a lot of different ways um gundy versus harbaugh would be hilarious but i do i do think those right now are the foremost uh i feel the best about those four in that order is that a take is that a hot take I think that's a. I think having Oklahoma State that hot is that's a that's a lukewarm take. I'll definitely. I don't know. I don't think everyone. I don't think most people are going to have them that high. But I definitely agree with you. Like, Oklahoma what else are they State supposed to do? Defense. They're beating. They're blowing everyone else. They're they're blowing people out that they should be, and then they beat the teams that they that are good. Like Oklahoma should be a good win for them. Like that should be a good win. No, you're definitely right, and and this is where like preseason rankings still have such a such an effect on the final polls, right? Like because of where Oklahoma State started and then they had a loss, you know, kind of halfway through the season, it like it took them so long to just kind of crawl, inch their way up the polls. I think Michigan Michigan and Oklahoma State both started this season unranked. Um, so it's kind of crazy to see them them both where they are right now. I don't I don't know if I can if I can say Oklahoma State is number 3 now, but once they're a Big 12 champion, then I could I could see them having the three seed like I could see them having number three resume at that point, but so I I almost think the most realistic scenario is is probably like after conference championship weekend, assuming nothing crazy happens. The the most realistic scenario seems to be Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State, and like that's that's crazy that we're saying that right now with, with what college football has been for the last four or five years with just so much chalk. Like, like honestly we could be in the college football playoff and Georgia might have the best offense of all the teams in the playoff. Like mm-hmm. that's just absurd to me. No one would mm-hmm. have ever thought that we thought it was going to be these contrasts. Fence, but like so many the teams just keep getting knocked out. Like, Georgia might actually even have the best offense among the teams of, that are left. That's wild. And that's what I said. Like, I actually mentioned that in the group chat of just being like, Georgia's everything's coming up, Georgia, man. Like, Ohio's the best offense in college football getting ousted here is a great thing for them. The wild card that is Oklahoma and Caleb Williams and those guys getting ousted is a great thing for them. I'm not saying go to beat them, but like, just not having those electric insane offenses in the fold and Clemson being down this year like it's just everything is just rolling the right way and that's not to discredit them whatsoever it's just that like that's just the way things are playing out that like they might get Cade McNamara Jack Cone um (laughs) Spencer Sanders uh like it's just 
it's not a murderer's row, man. I don't know what ratings will be like. I guess Michigan, uh, Georgia is what everyone's hoping for, and I'm sure college football is hoping for at this point. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't think it's all that appetizing to see Cade McNamara and Stetson Bennett in a college football final uh, for a lot yeah, of Yeah, because it really did seem like the team, and you know, the Alabama still left. So yeah. let's not act like Alabama's dead by any means, but. It I think they're dead, like man. To... No, hold on. I'm going to say this. They're dead. Like, this whole thing, like, Auburn's not good. Auburn's I'm not good. TJ Finley. Still yeah. one week, like, we're talking about the team that's going to beat Georgia or could potentially beat Georgia. If they beat Georgia, Georgia's have... out. If they lose to this Alabama team, I am dropping them to five. I'm sorry, Matt Green. I know oh, that hurts man. you. I know that hurts you. But this Alabama team ain't it. Like, they ain't it. This is not the same Alabama but team that they still they're still a really good team. Oh right? no, here we go. With, we're with getting all ready. That said, I'm just saying like if we're we, what you're just talking about like the team that can potentially beat Georgia, it's got to be someone that's got this electric quarterback right. that kind of can can make up make something out of nothing. Um, he also just doesn't quit, man. He's so calm, collective. I yeah, love Bryce Young. I hate that I love Bryce Young. He's like the first Alabama quarterback I've actually just like enjoyed and like just he's such a smart dude and thoughtful dude. Everything I hear and see about I just I like him. And then I saw Saban getting greeted by Miss Terry in the back and she's screaming for him and that was great. Like I, I, I hate how how just much uh I, I've enjoyed some Alabama stuff lately. I don't do I don't that, like it. Uh, do you think that Saban rant was uh was foreshadowing? Mm. I think he was worried about the Auburn game and he was like, Look, if this game's close this weekend, I don't want people freaking out because we didn't beat them by four touchdowns. I don't know. It seemed like interesting timing for that rant. Yeah, and I think it's also just that, like the the look ahead factor. Like Georgia's just right there, and they clinch, and that's a thing. I think that's possibly like Tennessee clinched their bowl game the week before, and like they're not really playing for much at six and six and versus seven and five. I mean, it was senior night for Alante Taylor and Blakely and all those dudes, but like it's hard to get it for Vanderbilt in the cold after qualifying for the bowl and nothing being on the line. I, I do think that's a real thing at the last week of the season. I mean, it's possible. I just don't think you can look ahead from the iron bowl. It's just like, yeah, this Auburn team might not be as good as most Auburn teams, but they hadn't won in Jordan hair. The two straight. It's like, I think the whole, like, we just don't see Alabama look this mortal week in and week out. And I feel like you keep hearing people like, oh, but now they're going to be pissed. Coming off the loss, like, you're going to really see a team that's focused. Oh, you're going to see them come out and dominate. And it's like, maybe this team just isn't that isn't that Alabama team, you know? It's like, maybe they're just not quite as dominant as they have been. And so we keep waiting for, oh, yeah, they're going to they're gonna be mad and start dominating teams. But... You know, we're kind of past that point. Like, they just, they haven't really done it. Yeah. Yeah. But the last thing I'll Mm. say on the playoff, so what do you think Notre Dame has to happen for Notre Dame to get in the playoff? Like, they're sitting in this such this weird purgatory spot right now. Like, I'm wondering what it takes. Like, it seems like they have a good chance to, to get in, but it also feels like they don't have a chance to get in. Like, what scenario, like, has to play out for them to get in the playoff? I think three things happen. One, Georgia beats Alabama. That has to happen. Like that's yeah, just sure. that's a non-starter for them. Like that just that has to be what happens there. Um, then I think uh, they need Oklahoma State and Baylor to be super close. Like they need that one to just be a slugfest where Oklahoma State wins on a last-second field goal or something. Um, 
that they need that lasting memory of Baylor really putting them on the rips. The Baylor team that lost to TCU a few weeks prior. They need they need that to be an extremely close see, game. I don't think Go ahead. I see I don't see any scenario that Oklahoma State not jump Notre Dame if they win. Oh, interesting. See, I think, I think they don't. Winning... I agree with it. I don't think so. See, I think Baylor winning and then you know, we get into the hole. Well, they have two losses. Oh, Baylor's Baylor not Baylor jumping. Winning. A Baylor ten and two or eleven and two oh, is not jumping Notre Dame in eleven one. That's not happening. But I think that's their only scenario where they can get in the playoffs. Mm. I think Baylor should jump Notre Dame. Like, what? It, what is who are Notre Dame's best wins? Wisconsin, right? Like, that's basically it. Virginia. They like, played USC, Virginia, but they Virginia's like they not. they sneakily play a tough schedule. But they just happen to have a lot of down teams this year. They did, but unfortunately, like that's the reality. And if mm. you're going with, you're going up against a team that won the Big Twelve, like Oklahoma State. I wish, I wish they didn't lose that TCU game because, like, this would be an, a definite playoff right. game. Um, but like, they also lost Oklahoma State, and they'll avenge that one loss. I feel like there's something to that. Like, you beat one of the only teams that beat you, mm-hmm. and just winning the Big Twelve. Like, I, I just unless Michigan, unless there's some kind of craziness. I guess the only the most normal thing to happen, like assuming Michigan wins, assuming Georgia wins, and Cincy wins, I think I think the only chance is they get in this conversation about Baylor and Notre Dame, and that's how Notre Dame gets in. But I, I think I don't I don't I can't even see a scenario where Oklahoma where uh, Oklahoma State is left out over Notre Dame, honestly. It would be it would be an injustice, honestly. Like their 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 resume is way more impressive. I don't disagree. I just don't think that's how it would be viewed by the committee. I don't think that's what would happen. Um, but yeah, and that's also like the easiest way for me, I think that's very much a possibility is just Georgia beats. Um, and this is, I think very possible is Georgia beats Bama and then since he loses to use in the title game and then they're just in like if since he loses, I think, and the normal thing happens with uh, Georgia Bama, I think Notre Dame's a lock. If, if since he loses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Since he loses there, but also you know that Ohio State Oregon thing when they had one <laughs> loss, Oregon was ahead of Ohio State, but now one loss versus one loss. Oh, they're not going to treat the group of five one loss the same as Notre no. Dame's one loss. No way. I'm sure. Yeah, that's probably true. All right, man. Well, let's get into some of the games that happened this week, and we have to start with the big house. Um, it was a shocker, obviously, a decade. Um, the the. Oh, do go we ahead. Need to get to our pick 'em first. Uh, how did I do before we get into it? Not great. I know we didn't. Okay. Well, we don't have to get into it. <laughs> I uh, but I did. Uh, I did pretty solid. So great. I feel like we, wait, wait, wait. Conference championship week. We'll, mm. we'll count that as well. So I guess this isn't the final tally. No. But um, you went five and six overall. <sighs> four, six, and one against the mm. spread. I was six, four, and one against the spread. Not great, but ten and one overall, sir. Goodness gracious! Uh, wasn't, wasn't picking the winners uh, against the spread necessarily, but very solid day from a win loss perspective. Um, you're now seventy five and sixty nine on the season. I'm ninety eight and forty six. Really blowing you away there. And then um, against the spread, you're sixty six, seventy five, and three. And I am seventy nine, sixty two, and three. So. And then Zeus, also home dog of the week, San Diego State, uh, won the listeners some money this past week. He's 6-6 six and six on the year. He got to bowl eligibility. 
Without a doubt. And then this uh, conference championship weekend, he can uh, finally get above 500, finish the season with a winning record. Oh, you're going to put him out there? I thought you were just going to wrap it up. Just take the oh, 500. Shoot, right. It's home dog of the week. Yeah, yeah, there is no... There's probably like one or two home games. This He can't do it. No, he, he finished the season at 6-6, uh, six and six, sir. That's fair. Good. That's a good season, though. 6-6, six and six, bowl eligibility in his first full run, right? I guess last year was a full run, too. But it was just kind of weird because of the the pandemic and everything and home field advantage wasn't a real thing i don't think last year that's true kind of takes away from the home dog right so we, we we're gonna throw a mulligan on 2020 this was his full season we'd even mentioned what was the the thanksgiving like for, for the dogs did tori whip something up for for the pups oh yeah she um well it was zeus's birthday last week so, oh happy birthday um, you know, you to got, zeus got, yeah he's uh nine years old okay so um he got a little I think like a, some sort of lamb thing. Tori, Tori fed them. So, mm. yeah, lamb. Was, uh, they, yeah, so they got a they got they got a nice little treat. I don't think I've ever had lamb. Yeah, she was gonna get the bone, and then we saw the bone. It was um, kind of small, so I just ended up cutting the meat off the bone and just giving it to him. But yeah, interesting. I've never never gotten into lamb. Like I've never really ventured out in the in the meat no, department. I have, I didn't eat the lamb personally. Well, have you she had was... lamb? Um, I don't think I have. Now that you mention that. See? Like I don't know. I've never had gator. I've never had lamb. I have eaten gator now. How is that? I want that to be a tradition for the Georgia Florida game, <laughs> but um I just haven't really I'm I only think about it like the a couple days before and then mm. yeah. I I rarely end up doing it, but we've done it a couple times. Was, I just I mean, I had some red snapper on Friday night. That was delicious. Big snapper guy, like some some fish. I wish there was more good fish options because I would eat fish like almost every day if I could. Um, love fish, chicken, and uh, and sausage. Like I'm a big sausage guy. Like I could eat sausage for every meal and never get big tired of it. Big sausage guy. Big sausage guy. <laughs> I love love mac green, a big sausage. Love love some big sausages. Um, but yeah, no, they're they're great. I could, yeah, yeah. I, I could, I just, there's something about uh, sausage that it's just, uh, it's really good. Lo- love some sausage. My favorite meat. Favorite meat. Um, well, let's keep it moving. Okay, well, hold on. So are, are we done with the pick Are you ready to get into games? Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the results. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break for a message from our sponsors, and we'll get into our pick recap. Such a tease. All right, we are back on the Chase Thomas Podcast. We're now getting into our pick and recap, man. Um, we don't have to. We don't have to go back to how we actually did uh, from last week. So we can just get into the Michigan Ohio State game. I think we have to start there, right? Like, even though my notes are extensive on the Ole Miss Miss State uh, Egg Bowl and everything that happened there, and just the weirdness of that game, and just the the goal line drive or the red zone drive from hell at the end of the first half for Miss State that we can get into but um yeah michigan finally does it uh in your estimation matt green how did michigan pull this off finally get the monkey off their back against the ohio state buckeyes um the run game man they just ran all over them for one um but it i um i just did you see a harbaugh's quote after this game i did Um, but read it for the listeners a little, a little shit talking here. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he said basically his dad would always told him that like, uh, 
what's the quote? <laughs> I blanked on it. Um, basically, Harbaugh said some people are uh, born on third base and yes. they hit a triple. Um, and that's how he described Ryan Day at Ohio State. And um, people love to hate on Jim Harbaugh, but I was uh, I was celebrating this this quote right here. I was I was a big fan of this shit talking. It was great, man. Like he he's feeling himself, but like I loved the back and forth before this game. Like it's hard to to like as someone who was in basically like the front row for Vanderbilt Tennessee on Saturday and just seeing the electricity of that atmosphere and just what the Commodores bring, especially with right under center. Okay, okay. And <laughs> like it's just it can't match that kind of rivalry there and um that kind of just intensity that Clark Lee brought to Knoxville for that uh, heavyweight matchup between the two schools. But I did think the the pregame tunnel uh, trash talk from these two, top-notch. Like, this was just delightful. Like, I love... Because rivalries have taken such a big hit with um, conference realignment over the years, man, and with just more and more money in the sport and just rivalries getting torn apart and thus, like, missing rivalries last year because of COVID. Like... It was just nice to see that there are still some programs that still have this. And, like, you could tell in Bedlam that these dudes cared and that they hated their other school. And they there was, like, a personal uh, anger towards that other program. Like, we want to beat them for our school. And we are here because we hate Ohio State. And, like, Ohio State players were like, we hate Michigan. We don't take – we don't respect you. Like, there was no respect on either side coming out of the tunnel. And that's just really awesome. It makes Rivalry Week awesome. So, like, that pre... I don't know if you saw, like, them having to be separated in the tunnel where they came on the field together and all this stuff. But, like, that kind of intensity is just awesome. Like, that's what you want. That's why we love college football, right? Without a doubt. And, like, especially this rivalry specifically, it's like, this is up there with, like, the Duke, North Carolinas, Red Sox, Yankees of the world. But, like, in recent years, it just hasn't been that. So it's like you can't you can only cling to a rivalry for so long. Like it can only have so many irrelevant seasons to where it just eventually just isn't that important of a rivalry anymore. And Michigan and Ohio State was getting to that point. So to have Michigan not only win like win a game like beat just beat Ohio State in general, but it's one of the games that had, you know, this is the, some of the highest stakes that have been on Michigan Ohio State um in recent years or maybe even ever. So like to win a game like this and just end Ohio State's season, potentially put Michigan in the playoff for a first time, like it's just it's a not a potential, maybe not a changing of the guard. Like we don't know that Michigan's just going to be better than Ohio State every year, but it just shows like this is a team that can also contend uh, for the college football playoff, and I think that's that's what oh, multiple conferences have had issues with that the SEC hasn't had. You know, the SEC has had so many different teams actually represented in the, in the playoffs. Like, the Ohio State, like you've had the one year of Michigan State, but for the most part, it's been Ohio State. So to have Michigan, you know, just the big national brand like they are, to potentially get in the playoff now, like, it's it's great for the sport. Um, first win since 2011, second win of the last 17 in this series. So... It's a uh, it's good stuff. Uh, uh, Michigan Michigan deserved this for sure. They did, and it was awesome and good for them. And and this is something we didn't bring up with the um, with the playoff discussion, and we can move forward after this. But like Michigan winning, like Oklahoma going down, um, Notre Dame being on the outside looking in. Like we have the opportunity for 
so this was a good example of like why the playoffs should not expand is because of how limited it looks now but like man we could get georgia michigan oklahoma state and cincinnati in the playoff this year like a totally different group different matchups like michigan and georgia haven't played ever like i understand it's a couple times but like that never happens ever and we could be getting that this year. So in a meaningful playoff game. And I just, I think we cannot lose sight of that because the fans who have been claiming and just been really frustrated with the dominance of Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State and Oklahoma, like, then you should be, like, you better tune in. You better tune into the playoff. You better tune into these conference championship games. You better just follow up on this, right? Like, that is something I think is important because it's cool that this narrative all year has been like college football has just never been this topsy turvy, and it's still clear that Georgia is the best team in college football. But like outside of that, man, it's just been so unpredictable, and that's awesome. Like this season, I don't think we should take for granted that every week we think we have a good handle on a lot of teams, and we're just constantly reminded that we don't. Well, and I think that's a great point because. Like, just this moment in history, like, if we had, like, if this was the NCAA tournament and we went to the college football playoff back in the 80s and we had five straight years where the final four is the exact same, no one's up here standing on a table like, we have to change this system. Like, we're getting them with the same four teams. You would just be like, wow, this is an insane run that the same teams are in the college or in the final four every year. But since at its inception of the college football playoff, like it just became the same, roughly same four teams every year. It felt like it was like a, a systemic problem with the four team playoff, but maybe we were just seeing a very unique five, six year period of the sport. And if we do keep it at four, this might work itself out. You know what I mean? Like I, I still, I still have a problem necessarily like, not wanting any expansion because I like the idea of just taking the people's opinions out of it as much as possible because we do see so few of these actual interconference matchups, you know, but with, with going past four, like you just, you're going to see so many of these games that we love that make college football what it is just not matter at like at all, you know, Ohio state, Michigan in a 12 team playoff, like that, that game didn't really matter. And it's a problem if, if the result of Ohio state, Michigan doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like I know as a person, specifically as a Georgia fan, like I was definitely a person who wanted to expand the playoff. Right. And so now it sounds like I'm flip flopping now that Georgia's <laughs> in, in the top four. Well, I think the playoffs fine the way it is. Right. But it's, it's tough because the regular season is what makes college football so great. So like I want to give as many teams a chance as possible, but Ohio, but the college football needs to do whatever they can to preserve like what makes the sport great. And like what you talked about, like these rivalries, we've already lost so many of these rivalries with the conference realignment and everything. Like if we're just making some of these games that are played once a year, not matter as much it's it's a slippery slope to what like the sport could ultimately become for sure um well let's move on the egg bowl old miss mississippi state mike leach man for whatever reason he's not good in the apple cup or the egg bowl like this man cannot win these games for some reason like it doesn't matter what kind of season he's having he just he can't do it they were favorites here slight favorites by one 
But this game was weird. Will Rogers it had a lot. It was weird for them to be favorites, though, right? Like that seemed like kind of out of left field. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Will Rogers struggled for most of this game. Matt Corral, man, he took some shots. Like that dude. I I don't know where he really belongs in the Heisman candidacy and all that kind of stuff, but like he is just he's not a big dude man and he takes some shots that man is fearless um drummond had a great game in this one for for old miss but like miss state that drive is just gonna sit with me for a while my dad and i were just like rolling over because we were going for the bulldogs like i i can't do the land stuff i can't i can't stand them and they're doing the whole faking injuries a lot in this game as well um but lane also first coach in old miss history to win 10 games in regular season like that's just bonkers like he's already the best coach in Ole Miss history that's crazy um that is crazy he backs it up like the the trash talking the weirdness him tweeting out license plates from Louisiana today like he leans into all of this stuff he was like doing the what was the the not lights out but he was doing what kind of motion to the fans at the end of this game where he was like that the was it the the choking or the slitting of the throats type thing? What was that? Oh, I'm not even sure. He was doing that. And he apologized. He's like, I probably shouldn't have done that. It was I forgot what he did. Where the th- I I want to pull it back up, but essentially taunting the fans about it being over. Um, and I don't know, man. Like it's a lot. I don't think it's gonna just keep going for 15 years. I don't think Lane Kiffin's in uh, in Oxford for that long, uh, and this just keeps up. But it's also like when he's winning like this and DJ Durkin who should not be a coach in college football ever again, still <laughs> put on a clinic. Like, that. Uh, they were sacking and killing Will Rogers in this game. They just could not get any kind of rhythm because they just kept sending three and getting through. Um, right tackle for Mississippi State had a rough, rough day, the transfer from Alabama. Um, they just couldn't stop him, and Will Rogers had no time to get downfield. But that drive at the end of the second quarter where they dropped three touchdowns on three different occasions um, was preposterous. I've never seen anything like it. And then multiple missed field goals, kicker problems for Miss State. But a lot of self-inflicted wounds, but I think the better team ultimately won. What do you think? Yeah, I think you pretty much hit it. Um, the uh, This is kind of what we've seen a lot from Mississippi State. Like Will Rogers, like the completion percentage is great. The yards are great. But they struggled to put the ball in the end zone at times. So it's like that's – I think that's – in general, that's probably Mike Leach's biggest issue just in his whole career. Like, yeah, you can put up the huge passing numbers, but at the end of the day, it's about putting the points on the board. Mm. And, you know, they didn't come up big in this one. So Ole Miss – and that's why I just wonder about Lane Kiffin. Like, everyone just assumes he's not going to stay at Ole Miss for long. But I just – wonder he's this guy has such a strange just trajectory of his career i don't know if trajectory is necessarily even the right word but just the path he's gone on just the timeline yeah he's like he got the raiders job before (laughs) he had any business being an nfl coach like Mm -hmm. he got the tennessee job and then his dream job opened up but he just to jump to usc the way he did it was just such a it was such a bad look and it seems like he's matured in his years. Like Ole Miss is in the SEC. Like they're they're a part of this. They they just went ten and two. Like there's no reason they can't consistently compete at Ole Miss. Like they, yeah, they don't have the recruiting class isn't really lined up very well right now. But like I don't know that it's just necessarily a, another spot. Like Lane Kiffin has kind of built his own 
his own thing at Ole Miss where he kind of talks shit, but it's kind of tongue in cheek and he's cool and everyone kind of likes him. He's like a, a char- charming and kind of a dick at the same time. Like, but people love it. So it's like, I wonder if you just keep jumping ship, not ev- not your, not everyone will love that, you know, and you have, you have different standards. If you start going to LSU, now you're going to be judged by their standards. Like at Ole Miss right now, like he kind of is the standard, like to be, he's not the best coach ever at Ole Miss, but He's the first to win 10 regular season games, so that definitely says something. And I, I wonder if he'll, if he'll be as quick to leave as everyone just kind of assumes he is. I don't even think – I wasn't even going that way. I was just saying, like, if they fall back to earth, like, Corral being gone, and if they go 7-5, and five, like, how does he handle losing again? Like, that is my question. When did the antics get old to fans if he comes back down to earth and the recruiting slips and stuff? And the SEC that's, West that's just fair. being as and right brutal. right now, I think they're, like, the 13th in the SEC in this currently 2022 recruiting class. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of time left, but, yeah, you – for how – for how like much he seems to appeal to like the younger generation, the recruiting results aren't necessarily there yet. Yeah. So something to monitor. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, Boise. No, you know what? I'm I'm mo- I'm mixing our order around a little bit. Um, for the most most important ones, um, Iowa Nebraska. You texted me this <laughs> during this game because you're a real sicko, Matt Green, when it comes to Nebraska football. You you just can't help yourself. You you love to watch it. You you're in on Scott Frost. You you love a good close loss. Matt Green loves macaroni and cheese and close Nebraska losses. Um, they were up big in this one going into the fourth, and then a block punt and just an implosion by uh by the huskers here but they did not lose the way i, I just said where i was like they're gonna whip it's gonna be within a touchdown and then they just miss the game winning extra extra point that would send it to overtime or something doesn't come quite to that as you text me about but they do blow another uh, important game here iowa going to the big 10 title game but um man this uh, are you out on this yet three and nine just uh, the point differential stat that i sent you is bananas bananas yeah, so they're three and nine and a zero point differential <laughs> on the season, right? Like, yeah, that's just absurd. But yeah, what I texted you because this was a one and a half point spread. Was mm-hmm. If they somehow managed to lose this game, but but covered the spread, it would have been hilarious. But um, mm-hmm. but no, they got they got up big, but but like you said, they they found a way to lose because that's just kind of what Nebraska does. And uh, yeah, that's why, like at three and nine. Like with with the whole body of work, I feel like right now you could make the decision. Okay, we were in a lot of games, so we can bring Scott Frost back. We're not excited about it, but we're bringing him back. Like it was just weird to do it like three weeks ago. Like, look, we're definitely bringing him back. They fight hard for him. Like, unfortunately, they kept doing what he was doing, and they were playing teams close. But it just it, it felt like weird timing. Like we talked about a few weeks ago, but. But then the craziness of of Minnesota upsetting Wisconsin puts Iowa in the Big Ten championship. I just good. Hey, row the boat, man. Row the boat. Just when we think we figured out Wisconsin again, they lose uh, the oldest rivalry, as you revealed in the podcast last week, right? Yes, sir. The oldest. Paul, Paul Bunyan's axe. Yeah. It. Uh, I mean, this wasn't even in our pick'em, but yeah, Wisconsin getting eliminated there. Um, I don't know. If you're Michigan, who would you rather face in the Big Ten title game? Uh, Wisconsin or uh, Iowa? 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would think Wisconsin just because you've you've beaten them. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Wisconsin, in the second half of the year, seemed like a much better team. Um, and so you worry about you know kind of a team that's that kind of has they, they they know what doesn't work against you, right? So they can make some adjustments. Mm-hmm. I just think they're both built so. It seemed like Wisconsin kind of had an identity offensively down the stretch, whereas Iowa, they're still just, I don't know, there's still just something about Iowa that you're like, they just don't really scare me. And so, like, while they play a similar style as Michigan, I, I definitely expect it to be a close game. I think Michigan is, I think Michigan should clearly be the better team there. Okay. Um, let's hit Coogs. Washington. They also made a coaching change. Uh, they took the interim tag off their DC who came in with Rolovic. Um, they didn't coach together at Hawaii. He hired him away as from Wyoming as a uh, Bulls DC um, to join the staff. But he obviously inspired this group to stick together. Um, they're going bowling, right? Washington State. Didn't they get to six and six or was it five and seven? Oh yeah, they're. Um, I think they they may have like seven or eight wins this no, year. No, I don't think it was seven. I thought it was six and six. I thought they were. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Let me, because I think Washington State had a low key, yeah, seven and five, seven and five. Six, okay, six and three in the conference. Low key, solid season for. for they the bounced kids. back from a season from hell. The craziness with the the COVID stuff. Uh, Jarrett Garantano transferred. Um, did not play much. Uh, they looked out there with Delora, who was really good for them. But yeah, they're they're gonna keep it going with this group and uh, add some stability. And the Washington State fans rushed the field at UW. How do you feel about rival fan bases rushing uh your like rushing the the home field? I'm surprised Georgia fans didn't rush on Saturday cuz that was it. Okay, here's a 20 second rant. Georgia fans, what you did at Georgia Tech in Atlanta on Saturday? That's what you call a takeover. That was what happened there. That was like 70-30, maybe 80-20 Georgia fans. It may have been 80-20, honestly. That is what that looks like. What happened in Tennessee is not real. Now that <laughs> just what oh like Oh my god. How many times have you brought this up on the pod this year? <laughs> just want to just clarify. That is what a takeover looks like. That is what that actually was. Okay. Along Good. with a counter, we should have a counter every time you bring this up. We also need to have a counter on the pod for every time you bring up Jared Guarantano's name for, for some reason. He's, I don't know, the most irrelevant college football player that continues to get brought up on this podcast. But, um, but yeah, Washington State – I. I just want people to have fun, right? Like, I feel like every, we're in this world where everyone's policing how much fun everyone should be having. Like, it's my whole thing with excessive celebration. It's like, you say that was an excessive celebration. What if this is the best moment of this person's entire life? Mm. They just scored a game-winning touchdown. How can you say he excessively celebrated the greatest moment of his life, right? So I feel like we're in this world that everyone wants to police everything everyone does have fun but don't have too much fun it's like if georgia beat georgia tech no they shouldn't rush the field but like there's added context like michigan rushing the field to beat ohio state it's like michigan's a a big time program you know like the number five team theoretically shouldn't be rushing the field for beating the number two team but there's a lot of context here it's their first win over them in 10 years like if it puts him in the Big Ten championship for probably the first time, probably in more than ten years, maybe have they have they been in the Big Ten championship game like since they had a since they've had a championship game? Michigan? Yeah. No, they've never been in. 
it's so, only been in the east it's only been ohio state and penn state once right well in michigan state's been in there i think right. a couple of times all right michigan state excuse me yeah so yeah so like like who's to say this isn't worth rushing the field for right so mm-hmm. i think it it becomes it's like a if you make a pattern of it yeah like michigan after this year like you're you're past rushing the field for things like this but you know i'm I'm all for it like if you like washington state like this washington team is terrible but have your fun rush rush the field do your thing mm-hmm. well let's hit the iron bowl i want to hit the iron bowl um auburn entered saturday this is coming from pat smith on twitter he uh had this note auburn had entered saturday 118 and 0 when leading by 10 plus points in the fourth quarter best in fbs it's their first loss after holding a double digit fourth quarter lead since october 9th 1999 to mississippi state wow that's rough man um and this one i thought it was over like and they kept showing it on the jumbotron in Nealon on saturday and i was just like man this is real and like everyone it's amazing like it's a really really fun thing to have that on uh when you're in uh just a, a premier college football coliseum like neil on like i don't know if sanford will ever get there but it's like it's possible i guess it's possible you can dream um uh, at some point anyway um it's just fun to just see everyone's head turn like that and just to see it and to react to the the auburn score like everyone in my like around us were just really just unwell to just be like i guess we're rooting for auburn like i guess like this is like i guess this is weird but we're all just doing this and just the alabama hate is is quite strong um in the state of tennessee but it was just wild to just see people just everyone snap their heads when uh they had highlights coming up from uh, cbs on on the game it was great yeah, for sure. I feel like from a Georgia fans' perspective, they—they they, I'm not sure they knew what they wanted to happen, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, we don't want this. We don't want Alabama losing to Auburn the week before the SEC championship. But then as it got later, where it seemed like it was definitely going to happen, it seemed over. It was like, well, you know, yeah, I have no problem with Alabama losing. That's awesome. Like, madness. I'm all for it. Um but yeah, this is just this is an insane game, man. For them to hold Alabama scoreless for three quarters, like without a touchdown for shoot fifty nine minutes and forty something seconds, like it was just a an insane game. Like I don't know, I don't know about you. I heard people saying like this was Bryce Young's Heisman moment. Mm. Um, I feel like I have a problem with that. Like. His Heisman moment came in a game where they were shut out for three quarters. That doesn't seem like a Heisman moment. Like with the 97-yard drive, um, the game-winning touchdown with or the game-tying touchdown with 20 seconds left, it was all incredible. But I felt like this game was almost the almost Bryce Young not winning the Heisman. It was almost him losing the Heisman in this game. But we that's a whole another conversation. Um, it was just insane how Auburn was just able to get so much pressure the entire night. Like. Um, I just I don't know what to I don't know I won't even know how to how to explain it really like um this Alabama offensive line just isn't what it's been and you know going against Georgia's defense next week it's it doesn't seem like a good sign yeah I um this was not an impressive win uh whatsoever but it is the Iron Bowl and that is something you do have to factor in and Auburn does have a bunch of talent all over the place even if Bo Nix was not in there TJ Finley didn't look great in this one but um Bryce Young it wasn't his Heisman moment but he just kept them in and he was just calm cool collective and did what he needed to do 
but I tweeted this out, man. I don't know. The the way these overtimes after the second overtime, how these games end, it's just so silly. This was a tie. Like, these two teams were the same on Saturday. I just believe that if you're going to do these overtime rules, um, and I understand the play argument and all that, and player safety, that all makes sense to me, then do ties. The NFL does ties. Just do ties. That's what the NFL does. It's like, we're not going to have these plays. Winning of like, Alabama getting a win for that John Mechie slant outside route, like, uh, what what are we doing what are we doing that's not a win like they like you, do you get what i'm saying like it's just so silly that we're calling these victories now no i agree completely for one that's why i was so surprised auburn didn't go for two after mm. the first overtime like if you just if you tell auburn before the game starts you have you have to get two yards and you can beat alabama to win the game like you would take that every day of the week so like the more it plays out, you just know Alabama's the better team. I thought that was really questionable um, for Harson to not go for it at the end of the first overtime. Um, also, shout out to Mike Bobo for that two-point play he called because as a Georgia fan, I called the play that Mike Bobo was going to call because Georgia ran the exact same two-point play every single time when Mike Bobo was the offensive coordinator, the quarterback rolls to the right and, you know, you got everyone, all the action moving to the right side. And then you kind of find someone coming back middle or you find someone on the sideline. Like, I feel like Georgia would do that every single time. And so it, it seemed like he'd set that play up for like 15 years and everyone rolled to the right. And then they threw back to the tight end on the left. So got to shout out Mike Bobo, the, the much maligned Mike Bobo, but, um, yeah, I was surprised they didn't go for two, I would say, in the first overtime. But also, Tank Bigsby not getting out of bounds, or I should say getting out of bounds, not not going down inbounds on that last drive. I think that's ultimately what cost Auburn in this game. Like, that's 40 seconds uh, that that they don't have, honestly, um, if he gets out of bounds there. Um, but to just in, – in to what you're saying about the overtime rules, it's just – it's terrible. Like, we got to do something about it. Like, I don't feel like college football overtime was broken. Like, I feel like NFL overtime is broken. It's just the fact that a coin toss is as big of a deal, like, can decide the game. It's just a it's a terrible system. Like, the college mm-hmm. football system was good. I can understand them wanting to shorten it. But the, shorten it so, the shortening solution is four downs from the 10-yard line. Like, if that's what you want to do, like, four downs to score, like – these a two point contest is a joke like that's after watching one of the best iron balls like one of the most entertaining iron balls like i've ever seen mm. for it to be decided on two point conversion plays it's it's just a joke like that's not how we want to decide who the better team is i agree i agree um ou oklahoma state sir oklahoma state was there ever a doubt it, like with that Caleb Williams run at the the end, did you think, oh no, this is the Sooners are going to do this? Yeah, I mean that's when I thought that they were going to pull it out. Like just this was an absurd game. Like this was it was just such an amazing weekend for rivalry weekend. Honestly, mm-hmm. we got so many good games. Um, but I got to shout out Oklahoma State's defense. Mm-hmm. Um, after that safety and then the touchdown uh, they gave up to Oklahoma like early in the third quarter. Oklahoma was up 33 to 24. This is what they did on the rest of their drives, the rest of the game. They fumbled, punt, punt, then they muffed a punt, uh, give 
Oklahoma State the ball inside the five-yard line. Then another punt, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. So they basically shut out Oklahoma for the last 25 minutes of this ball game. And hats off to Oklahoma State's defense. I thought they already led the nation coming in and sacks coming into this game. They had six more sacks in this one. Like... I was uh, I was very impressed how they they just fly around to the ball like uh, this Oklahoma State they look like a playoff team honestly like they look like kind of what we thought Oklahoma what we were told Oklahoma was going to be this year with with um, well obviously not necessarily the passing attack but the the defense that we were we were keep being told Oklahoma is going to play Oklahoma State actually they actually play that way so I I thought uh, Caleb Williams might work his magic and and pull it out but. I was glad to see uh, the Cowboys get a win in Bedlam. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, since we're going long tonight on all the other stuff in the coaching set, that was just a big part of it. I want to run through the big ones, and you can stop me when uh, you have a strong take about one of these. So, Kentucky-Louisville, statement win for Kentucky, in your opinion. Blowing them out. I feel like they want it to be a statement win. <laughs> like, did you see all the yes. shit in this game Mm -hmm. all the l's down and everything Mm -hmm. i thought uh i feel like they're trying to make this rivalry make this rivalry great again i think is what kentucky is trying to do uh with for the battle of the commonwealth i believe Mm. uh, yes he's called um but yeah it was a big win for kentucky for sure to dominate uh louisville the way they did Mm -hmm. clemson south carolina that's what nine nine and three season that's um that's big time for sure not bad not bad but let me refresh my Kentucky fan listeners. Um, how did the game go a few weeks back with ten- Tennessee in town? How did that one unfold? Hey, that- they did. Hey, but they're in this. They're they're in second in the East at the end of the day. So. We all know who the real number two team in the East it's is. A, it's a big time, big time season for Mark Stoops. Mm-hmm. Is Mark Stoops going to be the Kentucky head coach in twenty twenty two? The way he sounds seems like yes, right? I, I think he know. really does believe in, and I've heard a lot of people talk about this where like Mark Stoops has the best job in America, where it's like he's playing with fool's gold. Like Kentucky's such a difficult job, and that he's recruiting well enough and he's winning well enough that like they could offer him a lifetime contract. Like that dude has it made at Kentucky if that's what you want. And Kentucky is in the business of offering lifetime contracts, right? Didn't they do that with Calipari? I want to. That's a good question. I think so. Essentially, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like he should get a lifetime contract at Kentucky, um, but it's also like you can't win a national title at Kentucky. So it just depends what his final aspirations are. Does he just want to be a solid, great coach, win ten games every now and then? Uh, I shouldn't even say every now and then. Once every five years, and then go seven and five, eight and four most years. Sure, that's a good gig. Paid a lot of money for it. Um, but do you want to go in the big game with LSU and win, and win a national title? Like, it's just, it just depends on what his priorities are. And I don't think either are right or wrong. I just think you have to look in the mirror and it's like, Kentucky's never winning a national title. So it just depends on what he, what he actually wants. Um, Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon State almost came back in this one. Yeah, this could potentially be Stoops' second 10-win season. Um, but yeah, Oregon, Oregon State. Um, I was impressed. Oregon... Oregon put them away for the most part. Oregon State came back, though, in the second half. They came roaring back. B.J. Baylor got back in it. I hated the uniform matchup. Why were they both wearing home colors in this one? 
The orange on oh, green did not true. like this at all. I, that's funny you say that because I actually I I didn't mind this uniform. Oh uh, no! It was Oof. like a, a color rush kind of thing Oof. going on. But, I'm uh, colorblind, sir. Didn't like it. I'm literally colorblind. Didn't like this. It gave me a headache. Didn't like the green versus orange. Mm -mm. Did not, not. Was not a fan. It gave me a strong headache. Did not like. I um. There's a few of these home versus home uh, uniform uh, matchups this week. I you know Missouri and Arkansas versus red versus black. I would mm -hmm. think that would be a bigger issue than the bright orange and the bright green. Yeah, I wasn't a fan. wasn't a fan. Uh, Clemson, South Carolina. Clemson's going to mess around and win double-digit wins in a season where everyone was like, oh, this guy's falling in, uh, in Clemson. Without a doubt. That's what big-time programs do. Like, I mean, you're, you're, your bad season is going to end up being a 10-3 and three season. Like... Things aren't that bad. Clemson wasn't just like exposed that oh, these signs of <laughs> demise have been you know, the writing has been on the wall for years. Like the Dan Orvlosky's of the world tried to tell us. Like no, it's just they DJU was, wasn't exactly what we thought he'd be. But this is still a good Clemson team. Um, I think if they got in the ACC championship, they probably they probably would have ended up winning it. Honestly, but um, it's good to see some new. Fresh blood, Demon Deacons, and uh, and Pitt in the ACC. We're, we're going to have some crazy-looking uh, conference championships next weekend. Mm -hmm. I don't think the number for Pitt-Wake Forest is going to be what anyone wants to see there. I don't think that's going to be all that appetizing. Um, but, hey, our, our women probably going to tune in. Sam Hartman making it into the ACC title game. So if you're, <laughs> if you're wondering why that's on in the background, you're like, what are you doing, Tori? And she's like, Sam Hartman's on the screen. And then I'm just perusing other stuff and what are you doing sports renaissance woman and it's uh you know sam hartman time it's always sam hartman time in our households it's always sam hartman time <laughs> uh something like that um last one from our pick em. uh we got unc nc state um this is uh this is interesting man uh what did you what did you make of this one this was an incredible game i uh we should have seen this one coming North, yeah, honestly, but we both picked. Well, we both picked NC State, right? Or did you pick NC State? I you picked, picked UNC, North Carolina, didn't you? I yeah. did. So, um, NC State ended up getting the win, but just I've asked the question before on the pod. Mm -hmm. I'll ask it again. What exactly does Mac Brown do? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Like we were talking about it uh, um, this weekend. I was just. Like, I wonder if they put him on a different channel than everybody else. And you're like, hey, Max saying something. Flip over to channel three and, and see what he's got to say. And, you know, they, they pretend that, like, the, he's talking to the defensive coordinator, but it's just another assistant or something. Like, he's just, he's never talking to anybody. They show him on the <laughs> sideline. He just has a blank stare. He's, he's not talking to his headset. He's not talking to anyone on the sideline. It's just, it, it makes me laugh every time. But. NC State with just a crazy comeback in this one. Down nine with two minutes left. Like, oh, this is just this is a crazy ending. Yeah, I feel good about my UNC take though. Like they they should have won this game. Like this was a bad dumb loss for them. Like they should have won this football game. Um, I don't know. Just a weird bad season for them. Six and six. Not what we want to see. Um, especially for Sam Howell's draft stock. Yeah, I wonder. Like because it is such a down quarterback class i feel like he's still there it's it's hard to evaluate when the season is so disappointing to just pick, like just evaluate the quarterback because i feel like he still like made plays he was just 
the team wasn't that good this year. Like, so it's it's hard to know. Like, if you're like if you're NFL GM right now, are you taking Sam Howe or are you taking uh, Matt Corral? Probably Matt Corral. I don't know. I think I'm still sticking with Sam Howe. Like, so you just like him because you got the Stafford, the, the Stafford uh, trade. Doesn't remind me of Stafford to be honest. Like Drew Locke is a guy who like reminded me of Stafford. Like just mm. as like a cannon. Like Sam Howe, I don't see that same type cannon. Like he doesn't seem to play like Stafford either. So like I wouldn't say that. I just for one, I think Corral is a little overrated. Like so much of what he's done this year has been with his legs. Like, I think my brother showed me, he has, like, this essentially the same rushing stats as, like, Zamir White this year. Like, he's kind of, part of that's uh, because Zamir White's been a little underwhelming, but part of it is just with how good Corral's been with his legs, and it's like, he's not going to be, like, he's not going to be able to be used like that in the NFL. Like, he's going to run around and, and make some plays when he needs to, but half of Ole Miss's uh, offense seems to be designed runs for Matt Corral. So I just... I don't know how he's going to translate to the NFL. I still would would put Sam Howell as a a little bit higher on that as far as that goes. But, like, what does this mean for UNC? Because they were supposed to be the team that was challenging Clemson, right? And not only did you get just an awful year from Clemson, but you go 6-6? Six and six? Like, I say awful, and 9-3 and three is awful for going to six straight college football playoffs. But, like... This was North Carolina's year where everything was supposed to line up for them. So for them to go six and six, I don't know how much better it's getting next year without Sam Howell. So they were definitely the trendy team in the ACC, like just in terms of on the recruiting trail and everything and just the the arrow moving in the right direction. And coming out of 2021, it's definitely not looking that way. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. We shall see. We shall see. They uh, seem like the kind of team that need a they need a coach in waiting. Yeah, that's fair. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, good job though. Recruiting's still great there. Um, well, let's end on our own teams, Matt Green. Let's end on what we saw um, from UGA and Tennessee. Uh, you go first. Clean old fashioned hate. Any major takeaways from this one? No, I don't think there's much you can take away from this game, really. Like, Georgia Tech is just so bad. Like, <laughs> it's – Georgia got came out of this game without any major injuries, so I think that's the biggest thing you can take away. Um, one thing is that Brock Bowers got absolutely hosed by the, by the Mackey Award committee, whoever votes on that. Brock Bowers is the best tight end in college football. He's at least one of the, he should be at least one of the three finalists. Dude's absurd. He's going to be a matchup nightmare um, for whoever Georgia ends up facing in the, in the playoff or in the SEC championship and potentially in the playoff and then getting George Pickens back. Like he only had the one catch for, for five yards, but if this guy's good enough, healthy enough to be on the field right now, like I don't know if he can be a difference maker against Alabama but if this team's in the playoff, which we think Georgia's in the playoff without even winning the SEC, like this guy's got another month to be healthy enough to to be a difference maker for this Georgia offense. So with how good Georgia's been, it's kind of crazy how injured they've also been the entire season and just how many weapons that haven't been playing the whole year. You're seeing everyone get healthy just about on this Georgia offense. And so it should be fun to watch. Like I was I was interested 
because in the back of your mind, everyone, you know, they're still not sold on Stetson Bennett. He's had a great year, you know, especially considering what people thought of him. But you still, it's in the back of your mind that JT Daniels needs to be ready. So I thought it was interesting that Stetson played pretty late into the third quarter and JT Daniels came in for a couple series but didn't even attempt to pass. So um, it's it's just kind of absurd. <laughs> like if you would have told someone at the start of the season that we'd be going to the SEC championship with Georgia undefeated and Stetson Bennett as, as the like solidified starting quarterback. Mm. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, Brock Bowers is going to be a nightmare for, for years to come. Um, not looking Without forward to that. Uh, do you want to know something funny about Vanderbilt on, on Saturday? Uh, what's that? Okay. Shout out to Clarkley. Um, and also Vanderbilt's uh, social media team that uh, tweeted out that Vanderbilt with the win, Tennessee moves to five and five versus Vanderbilt in the last 10 years. Um, just an all time loser mm. take from the Commodore. So that got promptly dunked on as it should. Um, 45-21. Hey, hey, the same way Tennessee's celebrating scoring 17 against Georgia, Vanderbilt, they got to work with what they got. No, I mean, Tennessee, it's just, um, it's more of, I saw someone tweeting out like, all the states that Georgia runs, like they don't necessarily run Tennessee. Like uh, Tennessee's got some wins in there recently. Like yeah. Florida, Florida ran Georgia and Florida ran Tennessee for a for a long time. I think that's really what that was. I, I mean, don't I know. Think Vanderbilt has a couple wins more recently than well. Vanderbilt's a coach killer. Tennessee. Like you lose to Vanderbilt, that's it for Butch. It's it for Pruitt. It's it for um, mm. Vanderbilt beat Georgia twenty thirteen mm. and Kirby's first year twenty sixteen. Did Vanderbilt Tennessee. really beat Kirby his first year? Yeah. Man, I don't remember I that at all. Fourth down stop. Isaiah McKenzie. They have a t- toss sweep. Isaiah McKenzie got stopped in like a fourth and one. It mm. was one of those games. I think Georgia had like 400 total yards and Vanderbilt had like 150 or something like that. But, mm. you know, crazy things happen. But with that said, like Tennessee last beat Georgia 2016. What's the next one bef- before that? Mm. No, they won 2016 and 2015. That's okay. Okay. With Grayson Lambert, it was 2015. Mm. Oh, who could forget the the completion machine, Grayson Lambert? Um, hey, he dropped that dime at the end of that Tennessee game, and Reggie Davis, the best game of Reggie Davis's <laughs> career, he uh, he dropped that potential game tying touchdown against Tennessee. Um, Vanderbilt went for it on their own 10 yard line in this one, Matt Green, and got it early in this wow. one. First quarter, I was. I thought they were just trying to get him to jump off sides. Like, I, I didn't think this was actually happening. Like, I, I've never seen I, I was losing my mind because I was like, they're not doing this. This is amazing. They're not actually going for it on their own 10. So, if all the folks who did not watch, Vanderbilt went for it on fourth and one from their own 10 and got it. And it was it was hilarious. Like, it was like, man, shout out to them for going for it and knowing, like, we're losing this game anyway. We might as well not punt. Tennessee punted once. Uh, we had a pick six from Theo Jackson. Uh, Tion Evans left the program earlier this week so he was not available um jabari small did what he needed to do alante taylor that's it for him but kate mays was out cedric tillman man if he comes back hooker and tillman are both up in the air at this point um on what their future is in uh in tennessee but six receptions 106 yards two tds for tillman he's just a a monster like velas didn't do much in this one but um, if Hooker and Tillman come back, that's that's a big thing. Um, also, Joe Milton came in for uh, the end of this game because Hooker cut his uh, finger. 
on a, on a throw in this one late, and Milton promptly fumbled, uh, and uh, that was that was that. Joe Milton, I cannot, I, I I can't handle it. I he cannot be back. I don't care. I don't care. He cannot be back. Can't do it. So but I will say Hooker, the person next to me, the Hooker, be back. Yeah, I mean we'll see. And you know who entered the portal this week, sir? Do you know who entered the portal th- today, sir? Um, I there's a few people. Who are you talking about? Dylan Gabriel. Mmm. Do you know who coached Dylan Gabriel to a Heisman type campaign? Do you know who could revitalize Dylan Gabriel in Knoxville? I mean, this is what we do. Heupel is going to have his pick of Dylan Gabriel, Spencer Rattler, and Caleb Williams this offseason. Well, those are some interesting couple names to bring up because I had another question for you while we're talking about Tennessee. Mm. But give me a number between 1 to 10, how worried you are about Josh Heupel going to Oklahoma. Not at all, because Bob Stoops fired Josh Heupel, um, so I don't think uh, the that relationship's good. And the fact that Bob Heupel is coaching at coaching the inter, like he's the interim coach for OU, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it's it's not gonna be Heupel. Um, that could be. I think he's here for a little bit. Um, I think he's 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 locked in. Danny White is his dude. They they could, they were together at UCF. I, I think he's fine here. Um, but in different circumstances, I think it's a possibility. I will say it'll be interesting to see if his agent works this opening into a Mel Tucker type extension. That's what I think is possible. Like, that's what I think is possible is he doesn't really want it, but he's going to use the leverage for uh, a preposterous deal after one year at Tennessee. Yeah, that's possible for sure. Like, Heupel could make more money than Kirby Smart next year. I'm sure Kirby's going to get a nice little raise as well with all these with all this money flying around. It's it's bonkers. Like it's just it's a preposterous amount of money. Oh, speaking of, mm-hmm. while um we're talking coaches, um we skipped over the green stat of the week. Oh yeah, we did. Which uh which I totally forgot about. So um <laughs> well we in the show we forgot about. It. Yeah. I, I came prepared, but it was okay. more of a trivia question this week mm-hmm. instead of a stat of the week. So there are 3 active coaches in college football that have led three different programs to 10 win seasons two of those accomplished that this weekend are you are you aware of this i was not um do you you could guess the three coaches that have led three different programs to 10 win seasons three different programs to 10 win seasons um i gotta think about this urban Incorrect. Active. Oh, active. You're doing active. Oh, we're just... Okay. Um, give me a second to think. Uh, How much time do I give you before I just uh, have to give the answer? Give me 10 seconds. I'm thinking. Um, it's not Kiffin. Uh, Lane Kiffin. That is one. Okay. Uh, USC, FAU, and now Ole Miss. I can't believe you won 10 at FAU. That's where I was thinking about it. I was like, I don't remember him winning 10 there. I think you won 10 twice at Ole Miss, or at, uh, at FAU, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, Saban? Incorrect. He's an active coach. He, did he not win 10 games at Michigan State? So I actually proposed this question to my friends. And so there's two answers I can go ahead and take off the board for you at off a of technicality. Okay. Um, to Nick, Nick Saban is one of them. Okay. 
99, Michigan State went 10 and 4, but he mm. had accepted the job, so he technically went 9 and 4 that season. And same thing with Brian Kelly. Uh, before he took the the um, Cincinnati job at Central Michigan, he had the same situation where they won 10 games, um, but he had already taken the job, so he only got credit for nine of them. So those kind of would be part of it, but they aren't technically right. Oh, Jim Harbaugh. Incorrect. Did he? I guess he didn't go ten at San Diego oh, you State. Know what? That they're not D one, right? San Diego State's D one. It was San Diego that he was at. Oh, was it San Diego? Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, you're probably right. Yeah, you probably did that there there too. Man, I, I don't know who I'm forgetting on this third one. I, I can't. It's not a. I'm trying to. Uh, not Jimbo. Is it Jimbo? No, Florida State. That was his first head coaching job. That's true. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. So I will give you the other two answers. That would be Hugh Freeze. Oh, my goodness. Arkansas State. Uh, in his one year at Arkansas State. Um, I would not Ole have Miss gotten Hugh Freeze. And Liberty. And then the other one that uh, that's done it this season, that would be your boy, Brady Hoke. <laughs> I knew this at, was going to come back to Brady Hoke Ball somehow. State. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, at Ball State, Michigan, and now at San Diego State. Brady hmm. Hoke, friend of the pod. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> We're just throwing that, that term out there pretty uh, loosely loose, these it's days. It's a loose, loosely used term, but yeah. Mm. Got Ball State as ranked as high as 12. I don't know if you remember that back in 2008. I do not. Not really. I definitely do not remember that. Ball State being 12 and 1, and they're ranked 12 at one point. So. Oh, I know what we can do. Here's use your name as we wrap up here, Matt Green. The Mean Green taking down the Roadrunners and ending their undefeated season. Your Mean Green getting Very bowl true. eligibility and ending the undefeated season for Jeff Trailer and the uh, the Roadrunners. Yeah, that's uh, Blue that was out. definitely a surprising result this weekend. Cincinnati and Georgia, the last two uh, undefeateds left in, in in FBS. That's it. That's it. Matt Green, that is also, all. Uh, oh yeah. Last thing. Mm. Last thing. I got shout out. We didn't get into L- LSU A and M. Shout out to the greatest interim head coach <laughs> of all time, Ed Orgeron. I I would imagine this is the, his last game as an interim head coach, right? I won't say I'll never say never, but um, shout out to Ed O um, in his LSU tenure with a victory. Unless that was that was another incredible game we got on on Saturday night. Unless we get, um, unless we get the uh, the idea that we've thrown around where he just takes an interim job, like he's just <laughs> like I'm a permanent interim, like his just next interim extraordinaire. Yeah, he gets paid by the game. He honestly, it's it's not it's not crazy. Like if, crazy, Akron, crazier. like if you're Akron, like if you're Akron, why not? Like if you're Akron, just do it. Who cares? Western Michigan. I saw a why tweet not? a few weeks ago that said Vanderbilt needs to just hire Ed Orgeron and Dan Mullen, <laughs> and just like just co-head coaches, and it'll just be gold. Mm. I'm all for it. Hey, Matt Green. Yes, sir. Final thing. I need you to go to Sunny Dykes' Wikipedia page real quick. Okay, why is that? Just you just gotta go do it real quick, and the good folks can do that while Matt's looking it up. Just go to Sunny Dykes. It should still be up there by the time. I didn't do this, but 
I want you to look at that real <laughs> okay. quick. Okay. Um, I am looking at it. Scroll down on that right-hand side. Title. Judith. <laughs> that is that is his title of his position at SMU. <laughs> wow. I'm not sure that you didn't do this. I really didn't do it. That's hilarious. Because yeah, I was looking at Sunny Dykes for a second because I was like, what is he? Because I was thinking about him in 10 wins. And I was like, I was looking at him and then I was like... Huh, that's that's amazing. It hasn't been moved yet. That's a uh, college football, greatest sport on earth. There you go, Matt Green. That'll put a wrap on our college football season, man. Now it's conference cha- championship. I shouldn't say that. The Only regular the season. Regular season on the regular sir. season. Yeah. Um, fun ride, getting man. Started for some teams. Just getting started for some teams. Uh, we'll see where Tennessee lands in the bowl game stuff, and if I'll be able to go depending on where it is, but, um, yeah, it's crazy. Walking down to Neyland, I felt really sad, man. Like, it was just really uh, one last look at the, the stadium as you're turning the corner, but it just it goes quick, man. It goes quick. Yeah, well, we're going to have to coordinate our uh, our our bowl, our bowl pick them with mm-hmm. our episodes to make sure we uh, we get all, get all our predictions. For we'll probably break game. it up into two parts. It's going to be, well, I guess. I'm thinking we can go like week by week. We're like, these are the rest of the, I don't know. We can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. We can talk about it. What we can do, what we could do is just do our big pick them overall. And then we just break them down. Our actual picks week by week. Sounds good. Are we going to, we going to keep score for the pick them? We got, yeah, we got to do. Oh no, we want to do score for the pick them. I'm sure you'd like to, to clean the slate. You know what we should do? New new season. Let's do. What if we got the, the sports renaissance woman and Tori involved in the pick We just print it out and we just compare how we do to them. They go in blind. That uh, might be some good stuff. Although, mm-hmm. it's hard It's hard to say Tori's going in blind. She's listening to the pod every That's week. True. She, re- she retains all information. I don't <laughs> Incorrect. She does not retain all information. She retains stuff that's... This. She, she retains stuff that will be used against me in a later time. That is what she does. Hawaiian rolls, whether or not I picked Liberty, like true, she's. But it's only because she retains all of it. She'll also, <laughs> if she's got something good, she'll also retain that, you know. So, but yeah, so I, it's hard to say she's coming in blind. She remembers everything I say, and I say enough things about college football uh, that that she, she'll be dangerous. That's for sure. Well, we know how you are on the couch with Tori, where you, you're just you're chomping at the bit, and you're just like. Do I do I do I ask her now? Do you, hey Tori, uh, I got a I got a stack for you. I got a factoid. That's funny. She she talked about that. She said like it sounds like you're bothering me with these stats. She's like I'm listening. Like I'm down to listen to it. She she, she was not appreciated how I how I painted that picture <laughs> on the air. I was like I was like there are a lot of things I tell you though, and I know you'd rather be reading. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, women, they're great. They put up with our dumb sports, uh, never-ending sports knowledge um, that we just feel like we have to get out there. It's just like the SNL bit. Like, did you watch that uh, dog park for men? Oh, the man park. Yeah. yeah, that was so good, man. But it's real. It's real. We're just like, yeah, that, LeBron. The, 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 it's just, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Um, they, they just look at each other. Marvel. <laughs> Mar- Marvel. 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 That was that was good stuff. <laughs> It's like sports, sports. <laughs> that was that was awesome. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I Matt Green. Be sad with how much every man really actually related to that. Yeah, so, I don't know why that is. 
I don't know why that is, but it's it's definitely true. But it was just uh, they nailed that one. They nailed it. Um, Matt Green, always a pleasure. I will talk to you in a couple days. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.